0: Welcome to series four of Behind Closed Doors podcast series. Hello, I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. In today's episode, we are speaking with Tracy Clark. Tracy is the founder of Venture HQ, an inclusive educational network for women who are founders of scalable businesses or investors seeking opportunities for growth and investment. Tracy sits on a few boards and is a certified practicing accountant and financial planner. Tracy, thank you so much for giving us your valuable time to do this podcast with us today. No problem. Thanks, Donnie. Thanks for having me on. I've been really looking forward to you sharing your wisdom because one of the things that I know that women really want to improve on is their financial and investment understanding of markets and you've made this a, a real passion of yours. So we're looking forward to you sharing with us all that wisdom you have. Yeah, thanks. So you've led such a successful career in banking and finance, including extensive experience as a financial advisor investment director and director of your own company Venture XHQ You are the perfect guest on our podcast today to speak on the topic of investing and venture capital. For those of us who are new to this topic, start by explaining the difference between investing and venture capital to our listeners.
1: Yeah, sure. So really the main difference is that when we talk about investing, it's really anyone putting money into an asset in the hope of gaining a return. Venture capital, on the other hand, is generally a fund run by investment managers that pulls other people's money together. So venture capital is particularly focused on investing in early stage, high growth companies. I'd also add that individuals can also put money into a venture capital fund.
0: And how do they go about doing that? Do they try and network with a whole lot of other venture capitalists?
1: Yeah. So essentially you can look them up online and there's a number of funds that are available for investors. Generally though, you've got to be a sophisticated investor, which means there's certain income and asset requirements that you've got to reach before you can put money into those funds. Another way of accessing that startup market is through crowdfunding. So, and that doesn't require a sophisticated investor certificate. So there's a couple of ways to do it.
0: So on average, what would a sophisticated investor look like as far as their assets and revenue?
1: Yeah, actually, I believe the requirements have changed actually. So I think it's around 250 of income. And I think it used to be about two million in assets that might have moved, or they're thinking about moving it to five. Yeah, I think it's two.
0: I was going to say the average home
1: is worth two million now with the rise of property. Exactly. And I think that's the reason why they're looking to move that requirement up a little bit. To to become sophisticated. Yes, to become sophisticated. (laughs) Can't have everyone be as sophisticated, apparently.
0: (laughs) So one thing that can deter people from investing is the level of risk involved. Do you have to be a risk taker to be an investor or do you think investing and risk can be mutually
1: exclusive? Yeah, so it's a really good question. If you look at different types of assets, they all have different risk profiles. And obviously, when you're starting with cash in the bank, it's really safe, but it's very low return, particularly over the last few years when we've had such low interest rates. You can't even get 1% on millions
0: of dollars these days. No, that's
1: right. Unheard of. It used to be that when you had money in your super fund, you could have 7% being earned just sitting in the bank, so you wouldn't have to take any risk. These days, you've actually got to move up that risk curve in order to get some better returns. So as soon as you move away from cash, you start to move up that risk curve. And after cash, you've got fixed interest, which is government or corporate bonds. Then you've got property and then shares, which can be domestic or international. And then if you want to go even further up the risk curve, then there's other assets like angel investing in early stage companies and things like cryptos and NFTs. And they sit up the really pointy end of that. So crypto and NFT are, are
0: relatively new instruments these days. Can you give us a brief description? Because NFT is a type of crypto, isn't it?
1: Well, it's a non-fungible token which is, the actual definition of it is a unique digital code that represents some kind of digital item and it's held on the blockchain. So an example of that now is digital art. So you can purchase digital art online and the blockchain gives it credibility that you own that and you can actually then on sell that digital art, which is interesting. So yeah, so that's what NFTs are. They're often used sort of in the gaming world as well.
0: I was going to say, so does it mean I buy some art these days and I never hang it on my wall?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really unusual, isn't it? Because At the same time, while you own it, it doesn't stop other people from printing it or saving a picture file of it. So it's an unusual space, to be honest, but it is actually developing some real world applications. I tend to just watch that area. I don't dabble yet, but it's interesting for sure.
0: Is that what you'd class as the new trending in investment is all about?
1: Exchange-traded funds are very popular, and they sort of started out generally as those low-cost index funds. So instead of trying to pick your own portfolio, you can buy an ETF, which holds a basket of securities that track an index, for example, the ASX 200. And they're becoming more and more popular. The interesting thing with the ETF space is now they're starting to have funds that have themes like robotics, gold, crypto, and ethical investments But I think the key themes moving forward and the ones that I'm particularly interested in is around climate change and that transition to clean energy. A lot of those climate change solutions I think are becoming particularly trendy at the moment.
0: It is. So what are your three top tips for new investors?
1: Yeah, I think I always like to go back to the real fundamentals and I'd say firstly make sure that you've got your foundations there. So very easy things like having three months worth of savings in cash available in case of emergencies. Focus on paying off debt. There's no point in investing if you've got credit card debt or buy now, pay later debt. Have a good portion of your home paid off and then start investing, I'd say, firstly into a diversified portfolio of ETFs and then add to that on a regular basis or an investment property if you're not comfortable with shares. It's also good to pay attention to the investments in your super fund and understand the fees that you're paying and what investments you have and check if you've got insurance in your super fund as well. Uh, A lot of people don't really know what's sitting in their super fund. Uh, I think the second thing is to spend a bit of time educating yourself through trusted education sites. So things like Money Smart, the ASX, as it has some good information, Intelligent Investor and books like The Barefoot Investor, I think are really good places to start. And don't get excited by high returns in certain asset classes. A lot of these hot tips or trends usually don't end well. And so just be slow and steady with it. There's no need to sort of go out and get the really high returns because, like I said, it's not usually going to end well. And if I could sneak a fourth one in there, just if you're really unsure, talk to a financial advisor, get some advice. So you've previously
0: mentioned that you are passionate about creating a more level playing field, improving access to financial education and supporting women in growth their businesses. What else can be done in the investing venture capital space to help women grow their businesses and improve their financial literacy?
1: Firstly, for me, if we just take a step back from that, is just more education at the school level. Just so that kids, when they come out of high school, have got a better understanding of debt, budgets and savings before they go out in the real world and are faced with credit card debt. I also think that in the investment And business ecosystem, that can definitely benefit from increasing the number of female investors. There's currently less than 5% of female VC. And it's been shown that female investors are more likely to invest in other women. And that would certainly help with the very low numbers of female-led businesses receiving capital, which is even less than 3%. So very low numbers. And I think just raising the level of the number of women investing would certainly help that I think also women tend not to talk to each other much about money. And I think making those conversations okay and building networks of women who are interested not just in investing but supporting and mentoring other women in business also, there was a recent article in the Financial Review, which was interesting in that it was putting forward the idea that the gender pay gap is another reason why women invest less than men, because they actually have less to invest, which makes sense. But it makes no sense to me that there's still a gap at all. So we really need to sort that out. So
0: I'd love to hear about your company, X HQ, for any women looking to scale her venture through growth and investment. So what's your vision? What's your purpose for starting the business?
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So last year, you may be aware that a number of reports came out about the poor level of funding for female founders. I think, as I said before, it's a level of less than 3% of VC funding went to female-led ventures. So the reports came out, but really nothing gets done about it. It's everyone says how bad it is and then moves on. But so just out of frustration, myself and four other ladies set up VentureX HQ here in Perth. And through this business, we're focusing on two main areas. One is to help women through that scaling phase of their business by providing mentoring, education, and importantly, access to networks across Australia and international, and also introductions to potential investors. It's particularly important in Perth because we're so isolated you know, to help women to develop those networks a bit better. I think the second side to the business is building a network of female investors. And so we're creating a few education modules about how to invest in early stage companies. And those topics will be things like how to minimise your risk in your portfolio, how to do proper due diligence, all of those sorts of things. Our overarching mission is to help women scale their businesses and get funded and to increase the number of female investors in the startup space.
0: Do you find through experience that even though there might be 49% of women who do start their own businesses, that they tend to try and do it on their own, that they don't necessarily want a venture capital or angel capital, and therefore they're usually slower to scale their businesses?
1: Look, I think it depends what you're setting the business up for. It's quite okay to set up a business as a lifestyle business, one that you just want to earn yourself an income. Not everyone wants and needs to scale. But having said that, decide that you do want to take your business to the next level. Taking on capital is certainly one way to do it. But just as many founders come to me and I look over their budgets and go, you actually don't need capital. And so don't take it on if you don't need it. Having investors and other people suddenly in your business is not always the best move. But then again, there's some business opportunities where you just have to take on capital if you want to scale and grow as fast as you want to. So it's a real balance. But I definitely say be careful taking on capital and investment because it's a whole different playing field. really.
0: In the fact that you're not making all of the decisions for your business.
1: You're usually making most of the decisions, but you are accountable. Investors are going to want to know every quarter, what have you done with the money we gave you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and things don't always go right. But you have things like COVID and you have all sorts of things that create issues in the business and you have some growing pains. And yeah, and you've got to be able to work with your investors, bring the right investors on who are willing to go through those difficult times with you, ones that can help you. So I always say to founders, if you're having trouble, speak to your investors because they've usually got very good networks and they've got a lot of business experience and can usually help you through those difficulties. So
0: Fabulous. And finally, Tracy, if you could just tell us what you see as the most common Mistakes that investors
1: make? Yeah, I think buying and selling too often, jumping in and out of the latest trends. So if you're selling when there's a market crash, it's already too late and you're going to miss the day or two that the market bounces back because it quite often does it quite quickly and you don't want to miss it. So really it's about holding onto your portfolio for the long term, riding out any volatility. Yeah, and just not buying and selling too often, not having clear investment goals. It's really important before you start to know what you're trying to achieve with your portfolio. Also keep an eye on fees and commission. There's a lot of low cost investing options now and high fees can really eat away at returns. So make sure you know exactly what the fees are. Not having enough diversification. So having all your money in one or two shares or putting it all in crypto is really not a great idea. Set your asset allocation, build a portfolio of low cost ETFs and stick to it. You know most investments, particularly property and shares are assets you should look to hold for five to seven years or longer. So it might be a bit boring But it's slow and steady, tends to win out over time.
0: All fantastic tips, Tracy. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom and sharing it with our listeners today.
1: Thanks, Donnie. Thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you.
0: Thanks for listening to Women on the Move, the Behind Closed Doors podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To find out more about Behind Closed Doors, visit www.behindcloseddoors.com where you can find the full range of membership options. Women on the Move was recorded on Ghana lands and is a Narrative Network audio production.